And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsman with you on a Thursday. This is Thursday. Uh, I'm in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Uh, here to, to uh, meet with some Blue Jackets prospects who played for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Martin Rysavy and of course Denton Matichuk. Um, leaving here in a couple days to go get... Um, Stanislav Svazel, and some other guy, what's his name, uh, Bedard, Connor Bedard in Regina. I'm joking, of course. We're going to focus on a couple of prospect stories here uh, for the Blue Jackets. The Blue Jackets continuing on their road trip. They won last night in Edmonton. Hell of a game. Um, Kirill Marchenko scores midway through the third period to tie it. Beautiful goal. And Kent Johnson scores the first overtime goal of his career uh, to win it for the Blue Jackets, 3-2 in Edmonton. That's points in three straight, comebacks in three straight. Uh, San Jose at home, Calgary in Calgary. They got a point, lost in overtime there, and then they came back and won in overtime last night in Edmonton. Now it's on to Vancouver. Uh, They'll play Vancouver. Let's see if this is Thursday. They play there Friday and then Saturday in Seattle before heading home. Um, so they're they're playing pretty well right now. I mean, defensively, I think they've they've steadied a little bit. There were some rough patches in in Calgary. Certainly, the very tough environment. We can talk about that night if you wish to to relive that. I I ask you to step to the queue if you'd like to ask a question. Send it along in, in text form if you prefer that way. I see a bunch of here, a bunch in here already. Um, first couple of notes, uh, just uh, attempted to get an update on Gus Nyquist. I uh, was asked if there was any, I asked if there was any update, was told not yet. So the club is either in Vancouver or on their way to Vancouver. Uh, but the, the diagnosis on Gus Nyquist, who was injured, upper body injury, first period did not return last night. So, um, We'll try to get an update on him maybe before the show ends, but I'm not sure that's going to happen if there's not one at this point. We're probably going to go about 30, 35 minutes here. Uh, I've got to shoot over to the rink here in Moose Jaw to get mad at Chuck today. Had a great conversation with Rice Avi yesterday. I did not realize that he and Stanislav Spolzl were such good friends. Um, and 
it, it, I mean, really close. They grew up close to each other in Czech Republic. They were drafted the same year by the Blue Jackets. Rice Avey was explaining yesterday all of the strangeness. Like, they both end up going from Czech Republic to the middle of Saskatchewan. One is in Moose Jaw here. The other, Sfazel, is in uh, Regina. They're extremely close. Uh, they dream of playing in the NHL one day. Of course, they're really good friends with David Yerichek as well. They were just part of the World Junior Club from Czechia that finished second, lost to Canada in the final. Um, so it was a really I, one. I, I Rice Davies not considered a top prospect, but one thing I admire about a kid like him is he's he could potentially spend another year in junior. Yet this is the guy that knows who he is. Like he is he. He knows if he makes it to the NHL, it's going to be as a heavy checking uh, line forward. He's 6'3", 209. He's probably going to top out around 215, 220. He's a big kid, but he can move pretty well. There's not a lot of up, up, uh, upside offensively. He hasn't shown it yet anyways. did early in his career, um, but it looks like a, a pretty good defensive forward. And all you need to know about how Chakia used him in the World Juniors is he was told by his coach, when you see Connor Bedard go over the boards for Canada, you are on. That's your matchup, which that's a pretty heavy, hefty responsibility. Anyways, we can talk about any of those prospects if you want. I'm looking forward to spending some time with them, getting to know them a little bit better, writing some stories about them. We can talk about the Blue Jackets and this uh, suddenly resurgent Blue Jackets team. Are you okay with this? I know there's a lot of uh, people who are kind of thinking that the goal of the season should be Bedard or Fantilli. Now, um, what's the point in, in, in winning now? But I know there are some never tankers out there, people who still want to win every game. And I'd like to hear from, from them. I don't know that you're wrong. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I just, I agree with you fully, but I don't think winning should ever be, I don't know, not appreciated. That seems like a weird, and um, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do in pro sports uh, to root against winning, but here we are. But I'd, I'd like to hear from the other side of it because it feels like many, many people have come around to the idea of tanking in multiple NHL markets uh, this year. So weigh in on all that if you would. We'll get to some some questions. Let's go first to uh, our stage, if we would, the stage queue, and bring in James B., uh, James, go ahead and welcome to Front of Nationwide. I was just wanting your thoughts on the ice time for the younger guys. It's been better the past two games, and last night, I hate to say it, but I think we might have gotten better when Gus was out and Marchenko had more time on the wing. And then the other question is, is Vornikov the answer for the problem child down the middle that we've been looking for? Uh, so to your first point, yeah, I, I mentioned that today on on the site. Like, it, it's uh, it's rough to lose Nyquist because he's such a, a valuable veteran here. But that's that's where Marchenko's increased minutes came from last night. He was over sixteen minutes. Johnson was over sixteen. That's about three minutes higher than than each of those guys play. So you could say probably over the course of a game, five shifts extra that those guys got. I mean, to me, Marchenko almost gets more impressive with each viewing. And that that goal, he's a tall kid. He's not completely filled out yet. And his willingness to take the the puck to the rack and score a goal like that, that's pretty impressive. Um, 
pretty pretty impressive and a big time goal. And Johnson, you know, three on three is kind of made for guys like Ken Johnson right now. Even at this stage of his career, it's, it's so perfect for him because he's a hard guy to nail down. And now he's got even more ice. So the, uh, the last night worked out great. I I do feel like like Brad Larson is turning a corner a little bit with them. I do think he trusts Johnson a little bit more on the wing and worries less about his defensive exposure on the wing. So that made it easier last night. But when they were down, you know, Marchenko basically moved into Nyquist's spot on the, on the right side of, mm-hmm. of that line. So there's your, there's your boost. And he scores a big goal. Um, yeah. As to Baronkov, uh, you know, most people think he's NHL ready. I, I think probably he's seen as a third line guy, but until he gets here and, and does it, you got to be. A, I wouldn't. I, I'm of of a mind that you should not bank on that. But if it if it happens, you're prepared to move somebody out and let it happen. Um, either move them to wing or or you know move them out, trade them. Um, he is expected to be here next year, and he is a very combative player i think there's a, a little worry about his his skating speed so is, does that make him a fourth line center instead of a third line center we'll see um but i'm i'm, I'm excited for him to get here and see what that looks like it you know the, the center ice position we keep talking about this that and the defense are the obviously the biggest two major uh, am i am i right to say that or is goaltending a major issue too so uh, uh, gonna fix the goaltending. Yeah, yeah. They've got to sort goaltending out for sure. But center ice and top 4D are just major question marks. Voronkov can help. Uh, not He's not, you know, top two lines on, on at center ice, but he does, he could provide stability down the middle, which which could move Roslevic to the wing, right? Could move uh, somebody else to the wing. Could move Jenner to the wing, ultimately. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see what that looks like. I just see him as almost being a Dubinsky-like and just being a problem child when he gets onto the ice. From what I've yeah. watched in the K, he just likes hitting people. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if, I, again, I want to see him. I want to see what he looks like here. Um, Voronkov has the battering ram type persona about him. Um, boy, Dubinsky was a special cat, though. Um, that's, that's a lofty comparison, but I, I don't think it's crazy either. So that was all I had. Hopefully all right, James. keep losing games and maybe get Bedard. I'm on that train completely. All right. Good to know. Well, thanks James for the call. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Let's go to, uh, let's go to, uh, B. Hey there. How's you going? Good, man. How are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, my question is, do you think that Kromachenkov will lead the Blue Jackets in scoring goals specifically over the next two years? Well, the, a really, well, interesting, a really interesting, thing interesting thing is, is he going to lead him in goals, he this, lead year? Him in goals this year? <laughs> yeah, he's right there, what, three or two behind Line A, ain't it? <laughs> Wait, after, 25 Wait, after 25 games? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a meteor right now. Yeah, uh, I do believe he's going to break the record for uh, rookie goals in the season. That's a, it's a personal bet me and my buddy have, and uh, I think he's going to get it by a long shot. Yeah, well, wouldn't it be, yeah, wouldn't it be wouldn't something? It, he's got 11 he's goals right now for 25 games. Unbelievable, and, right? And the only people ahead of him are Jenner with 14 
And, yeah. and Boone's ninety yeah. percent of Boone's are off deflections, if I'm correct. I, I would believe that. I would believe that. They're at least close range. Close range. But I like but what Lars like said last night about Lachenko that so many of his goals are scored in so many different ways. Like he scored from distance last night. That and that goal was the man's goal right there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Alan, Alan well, thinks that it's Alan something, to look, it's something to look for. I mean, I mean, I mean this is a guy we've been anticipating for, for I don't know how many years. How, many years. how refreshing, would, how refreshing it be would it be to have to have a prospect, prospect over deliver based on what people are expecting? People are expecting I, I, historically, I think historically, it's been the other way. Yeah, it would definitely be uh, one for the books uh, under Yarmol's uh, tenure. That's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. killer Marchand. So, keep it going. Alan, thanks for the call. No problem, buddy. Have a good one. See you, man. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And let's go to Philip G. Philip's the last guy on stage for now. We got a bunch of text messages. I got you. All right. Um, My question is... um, We've obviously had serious questions about the goaltending throughout the entire season. And when you see performances like what Corpusalo put up in two nationally televised games um, with Calgary and Edmonton, you know, I, I, I think it's worth asking the question, are those the kind of things that could end up being a situation where Yarmo gets a sort of deal he can't refuse because I mean that he, he's got a really low cap hit this year and I, I feel like there's got to be a point where he's showing this night in and night out on some really big stages. Do you think there's a chance he gets an offer he can't refuse? You know, and then we're we're looking at a Merzlikens Tarasov duo for the rest of the season. So it's a good question. It's it's a question that has prompted me to think that this needs to be a, a story that gets flushed out on the site here in a couple of days. So I want to ask around about this, but my sense is uh, that that Corpy's done exactly what you'd want him to do, and that is make it make this really really murky. He's been their best goalie. Um, they, they want to, and they need to, uh, develop Tarasov the right way. And the injuries have made that a challenge this year. He was supposed to be in Cleveland playing probably 80% of the games down there. And because of the injuries, it just hasn't happened. And he's come up here and he's been a backup, both for Merzlikens and for Corpus Salo. And he's sat for long stretches. 
this is not ideal at all and and so i i don't think i don't think you want to then take that young goalie and put him in a backup situation in the nhl where he's playing seldom again i think at some point you he's got to stretch out and play lots of minutes so the temptation for me is Almost as an insurance policy, if you get blown away by an offer for Corpus Salo, then you make the move. You have to make the move. But I would be really reluctant to trade my best goaltender away while he's still my best goaltender. Um, and if you, I guess what this comes down to is, does the franchise have long-term concerns about Merzlikens, or do they think he can straighten it out? If you have long-term concerns about Merzlikens, I think you keep Corpus Allo and figure out what to do with Merzlikens one way or the other. But these are all things, yeah, these are the inner workings of the inner thinkings of the organization. Where they're at right now in this lost season, if someone comes to them and offers them a you know, really good, I don't think they get a first. Maybe if you know, someone offers them a second, I think you probably have to take that. But you know, just where is this? Where is this all playing out? It's it's also almost comical to me that Corpus Allo has been in trade rumors for like four years in a row, and it's not. You know, no one's making this stuff up. It was it was all legit, and then he got hurt last year, so it, it, obviously no one's trading for him then. But he's a UFA again, and he's playing really well. And not only is he playing really well, he's playing really well on a really poor defensive team. Um, so. You better think that NHL GMs are, are looking at this and taking it into account. I think he maybe has played his way back into being a marketable goalie. So it's kind of a tough decision here. And he's playing over Elvis right now. has for quite a while. All right. Well, um, Elvis is first year of a five-year deal, so it's kind of messy. Can, can I ask a follow-up then? Do you think sure. that in any sort of uh, hypothetical Corpus Allo trade, that the Blue Jackets might be asking if they can get a backup goalie back. Like, I'm thinking maybe a situation where maybe a contending team isn't really satisfied with their with their backup goalie who may not be on a long-term themselves or may not yes. be getting paid a lot of money, where the Blue Jackets say, yeah, we'll give you Corpus Allo as an upgrade. We want to pick, but we also want your uh, backup goalie, maybe with a bit of salary retained to keep the cap levels matching or something of that nature. But we, we want your backup goaltender back coming back here so that we have somebody who can sure. play for, for Tarasov to sit in the AHL. Yeah, I think that's very reasonable. In fact, that's probably how it would go. Um, cause again, a Tarasov's development has to be paramount unless you decide to just throw Tarasov into the NHL full time the rest of the way, but I'm not sure they want, they're ready to do that. And let's be frank too. If you're looking to get Connor Bedard, that's not exactly a, a play that you make either. Um, you may want someone else's backup to play some games to just kind of ride it out, but there's a lot of moving parts at that position. Thank well, you. Yeah, yeah. All good points, Philip. Thanks a lot. Um, reminder, if you want to step to the stage and ask some questions, we'll go for about 20 more minutes. Um, Andrew R. says, uh, wait, 
I'll go to Andrew R. first because I just saw his name first. Any word on Chinikov? Um, to my knowledge, now I'm not back in Columbus watching. He may be skating now. To my knowledge, he was not skating uh, when this road trip began. So I, that's, that's probably three days old that he wasn't skating. That could have changed by now. Uh, let me take a drink here. Hang on. Uh, Philip W. says, any idea how Alexander Texier is doing on ice and off? And if there are any indications that he will be back next year. Um, nothing's changed to my knowledge there. The expectation is that he will return to the NHL next season. But I, I think a lot of people are in wait and see mode. Um, as you know, Yarmo Kekalainen went over earlier this season, met with Tex and his agent, had lunch. Um, they say the purpose of that trip was not to even ask him about what he planned to do NHL-wise. Was he coming back? It was just purely to visit, um, see how the kid's doing. Um, I saw someone, this is from uh, No Name Attached, I saw someone predicting a line with Jordan Dumay next year. Um, I said, that's crazy. No way is he NHL ready. Thoughts in his trajectory. Uh, my sense is that I don't think anybody anticipates Dumay being in the NHL next year. Maybe, you know, maybe a call up or maybe later in the year. I think he still has another year of junior eligibility though. Um, as much as he's destroying the queue right now, at last check, he's got more points than that Connor Bedard kid. Pretty amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, my sense is that he he's going to need some development, but you know, the kid is absolutely explosive uh, offensively. People worry obviously about his size. They say his foot speed is not great. Uh, those are three major challenges for someone hoping to play in the National Hockey League. Can he overcome both of those? Some players have, not many have. Um, but th this kid is offensively special. If you talk to scouts. Uh, Marcus M says, do you expect players, picks, or a combination for Gavrikov? Uh, good question. I think it depends on the organization. Um, typically, teams, in, unless you like a prospect of theirs that they have somehow uh, or in, in some way dulled their optimism about, you have a different opinion, then you can pry the player out. More often, it's a pick because there's not a name attached to it yet. My sense is the ask is for a first and a third, uh, which is similar to what they got for Savard. Um, but if, if it's, you know, it depends on the prospect or the, the team. If there's a prospect that you like and the team feels like he is worth the value of a third round pick or less, then perhaps that could, it could be a match instead of a pick. Uh, Christopher A says, what's the over and under on a number of goals? Marchenko scores before he gets his first assist. Um, where's he at now? 11. Um, here's a question, too. Who's gonna, what's going to happen first? Marchenko assist, Liam Foody goal. Um, Liam Foody has yet to score a regular season goal in the NHL. Kirill Marchenko has 11 goals and zero assists. Um, he could win the Cy Young with numbers like that. I'll say... I don't know. I, I mean, I think the odds are that he's going to get an assist here pretty soon, right? I mean, half the assists you get, you can just, like mess up and get an assist, eh? Um, it's it's kind of funny. I wonder what the I got to look and see what's the most goals scored without an assist. What's the most 
NHL goals scored before a player has registered an assist? Sounds like a good question for the league. Um, Alan B says, is Kirill the future goal leader of the team within two years? It's certainly plausible. Um, again, he may be the goal leader this year. He's three back of Line A and Jenner. Three. Um, something worth watching. Is there any chance the CBJ will trade Corpusala for anything of value? Do they want to keep him around and let Tarasov develop in the A? Uh, so we just kind of touched on this. I, it's something that, that uh, I need to poke around about and flush out in an article because I do think it's a, it's a great topic right now because Corpusala has done Corpusala has done exactly what he he should do, which is make a big mess out of all this. I mean, Elvis has done it too by not playing well. So there's a lot of open, there's a lot of question marks there. But Corpusala has really, really proven himself a, a good goalie again. He's back to where he was before the hip surgery, which is really good to see. Um, Trent A says not the year anyone was hoping for. As an outsider, morale seems reasonably good given that what they have endured. Being a little closer to the action, any sense on overall morale of the team? Um, well, I, I think we can say right now it's pretty good because they're. I think the game like the game they played in Calgary can be real, really unifying. Um, there's a lot of new guys on this team. There's a lot of guys that don't know each other on this team. Gaudreau really hasn't been here that long, um, but the way they played in that game, I thought was really really had the power to unify. It was really cool to see. Um, line A, getting into it with uh, Zadorov, good Branson sticking up for him and basically challenging the entire Flames bench. Um, just the way they kept coming back in that game. That was, that was uh, if, I'm, if I'm the Blue Jackets or a Blue Jackets fan, that's really good to see because uh, it would be easy. And I think we've seen in some games these guys get demoralized and the foot comes off the gas pedal, especially in some third periods. Um, so I, you know, where it's at right now, it's going to get harder. Uh, March is going to be a bear. They've got three home games the entire month of March. Um, they also have a big, um, all-star break here coming up. I think they've got three more games before they're off for like 10 days. And who knows what they look like on the other side of that. Um, and the games are going to get tougher. Teams are, are jockeying for position now and, and you, you just aren't. So the games are going to get tougher. Uh, it's still not going to be an easy end of the season, I wouldn't think. Uh, but I, I think they're in a good place right now. Uh, Nick B says, any suggestions on food or things to do in Vancouver on the way there now? Well, I mean, Vancouver is the most beautiful city on the stop, in my opinion. Many agree. I love Granville Island. Um, big market, a uh, little island just off the just off of Vancouver. Just hop in an Uber and go there or a taxi. It's a very popular place. There's all kinds of restaurants there. Uh, there's an, there's a big, beautiful market. There's all kinds of shopping. There's bars, um, huge bridges over, over your head. Beautiful. Um, I like watching the biplanes land in, in the Harbor. You can see the snow capped mountains from downtown. Uh, it is a, it, the, everywhere you look is a postcard in Vancouver. Um, just beautiful. And what a, it's great to visit. No one can afford to live there, but it's great to visit. Uh, Daryl C says, has Corpy played his way back into being trade bait? If so, do you get more than a fourth for him? Right now, I'm not sure what the market looks like for him. He is a UFA that must be taken into account. Um, 
And again, I question if he's played his way into trade bait or if he's played his way into staying because, God, you'd have to hate to see the organization trade their best goalie. Uh, here's an anonymous question. I've seen Roslovic also tossed around his trade bait. It seems like that would be more likely next year, but who might you say are bubble trade chips? Well, I think Roslovic is a consideration. Teams are always looking for for offense, uh, for goal scoring. He, he is a creative offensive player when he's playing well. I think teams that would have an interest in him probably see him on the wing because um, he's really been maddeningly inconsistent in um, at center ice. I think he's the kind of player that a lot of people think they can fix still. They see a, a lot of things there that would be interesting to work with. So if they get the right offer, I think that's possible, especially with Bronkov coming, with probably them drafting a center this year. Um, I think that center ice position is going to change dramatically here in the next several months. So I think it's possible. Um, Nyquist, we'll see how what his injury is like. That could play a big part in the trade deadline. Again, Gavrikov could be moved. Corpusalo. Um, I keep hearing Andrew Peak interest too. And I think people see it, a cheap, long-term signed defenseman who brings a physical edge. Teams who see them as a as a as they see him as a five six, maybe a six seven, but still affordable. Um, so yeah, his name keeps popping up too. Uh, Philip G says, "Is Yarmo doing any scouting runs?" Well, last night while the Blue Jackets played in Edmonton, Yarmo Kekalainen was in Vancouver for the Canadian Hockey League prospects game, uh, along with a billion other scouts um, checking that out. Um, so yes, and he's going to continue to do extensive scouting in the second half. Joshua K says, uh, given the string of injuries that seem to repeat year after year, is anyone looking at possible shortcomings in how we conduct conditioning and possibly flexibility training for our players? So um, it's a good question. And if these were groin injuries or muscle tears um, through the act of skating and just normal play of hockey, then I think that would be a consideration. You look at the way these guys have gotten hurt. Um, Wierenski whiffs on a check. It plows into the boards awkwardly. There goes the shoulder, right? Uh, Voracek catches an elbow in the head in Finland. Um, I can't remember. It's been so long ago now how Danforth got injured. But this is not the rash of groin injuries they had years ago where you, you know, where you, we're alarmed. What are they doing wrong here? Because guys are, are tearing their groins at outrageous rates here, or they're not getting better. Um, I, I think a lot of these have been like Boone Jenner broke a hand, hit by a puck. Like there, there's no amount of training or flexibility training you can do. That's going to make your, your fingers be able to get struck by pucks without some damage. Um, so, problems there and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct tv satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on direct tv with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy i hope getting all these games on direct tv makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds direct tv has the most mlb games visit directtv.com claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required Terms and restrictions apply.
Why? Let's go to uh, back to the stage. We're going to bring Philip G back in. Philip, go ahead. You are up front and nationwide. Wait, oh, now we got Alex oh, and Philip. Um, Alex, yeah, Alex is here too. Let me. Okay, you and Alex, Alex you go first, and Philip, you can hang out and and listen for a minute, and we'll get to you next. Hey, can you hear me, guys? Gotcha. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Uh, my first question would be: um, I'm looking at some of these sites like the armchair gm and places like that and a lot of them seem to be uh, alluding to maybe the jackets buying out good branson um do you think that's a possibility to save some cap space or is that um probably not in the plans for a year or two and then my second question would be um should vorchek not play next year um with his eight million dollar salary how does that work like are the jackets they're obviously on the hook for that but um, does that give them any sort of um, cap relief, or um, how does that how does that work? Yeah. So first, to get Branson, I, I can't imagine that one year after they sign him to that contract, they then take steps to buy him out. That would extrapolate the buyout over six years. Um, I still think that defense needs an Erica Branson. I think one thing that has to be taken into account right now is <clears throat> if you if you watch them play defensively. Gavrikov is playing up a pair. So any evaluation of Gavrikov is probably a little unfair because he's playing higher in the lineup than he normally would or should. Similarly, Good Branson was signed. I mean, this is how he got his career back on track in Calgary. He was a 5'6 defenseman. They played him in very specific ways. And Columbus intended to do the same thing. And then everybody gets hurt. And so now Branson's playing the minutes of a top four defenseman. Some nights he's playing the minutes of a top two defenseman. Um, that's not ideal for him. And there, you know, of course there are some nights where you go, ooh, that's a rough play by Branson, but you're measuring him. This would be like putting Corrali. It's not unlike putting Boone Jenner at the number one center and then critiquing him as a number one center. Um, that's not an ideal fit for him. I think Good Branson becomes more reasonable if you play him in the slot that you defined for him, and they've not been able to do that. Um, I don't, I, I don't mind the money as much as the term, but I can't see them making a decision one year later to to spend six years getting that off the books. Um, if there is a decision to buy him out, it, it would be years down the road, um, you know, a couple years or so, when it's just a two year extrapolation rather than six. Um, what was his, what was your second question, Alex? Yeah, my second. Thanks for answering that question. Uh, my second question would be, um, you know, obviously we don't know the future for Voracek, but should he not be able oh, yeah. to play yeah. next? Should we he not be able to play next year? Um, that eight million dollars. Yeah. Um, how does that work? Do they get any sort of relief with that, or are they pretty much on the hook for eight million dollars? So my understanding is that that they'll that money will count at the start of the season when rosters set. And the moment the roster said he can be put on long-term injury and that $8 million becomes space under the salary cap that they can use. So it's kind of a mixed bag where they can go up and over um, once they get things set and then put him on LTIR. And there are teams around the league that have <coughs> excuse me, multiple players like that. Phoenix or Arizona has been sort of this storage facility for players that nobody wants or dead money, if you will. 
Um, so they'll have to get creative at the start of the season to make it fit. But I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, they sent Wenberg down to Cleveland when rosters set. That was not a demotion based on skill. That was he didn't need waivers and they could get his salary off the books and get under the cap, set the roster, put somebody who was injured on LTIR, and now they've got room to bring Wenberg back up. So it, it would be a move like that. Um, let's go to Philip G. We got time for a couple more, and then I got a I got a bolt. Philip, go ahead. Hey, um, I was curious if um, you could speak on the organization's philosophical way they're going about this draft. And what I mean by that is obviously everybody knows you've got the big three at the top, but after those big three that look like they can be franchise centermen. The, you do have like a bit of a next tier, which there is a chance the Blue Jackets could fall down to with really? Matvey Mishkov, Will Smith, Zach Benson, and a whole bunch of other guys there, multiple of whom are wingers, including Matvey Mishkov, who a lot of people think is one of the more talented players in this draft. Philosophically, as an organization, do you think that the focus this draft is going to be drafting the best player they can possibly get? Or do you think there really is a search for not only immediate value, someone who can come in and play quickly, you know, not Mishkov, but also getting a center instead of a wing? Uh, so I don't know that this is specific to this year, but I think most teams follow the same path philosophically is that if all things are equal, you take the center. So my sense, and this will all be sorted out and we won't know about it because those, these are draft secrets that they take to the floor with them, but it would be, uh, Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson as the top three. And then it gets interesting for them. Do you go, uh, with the next tier center, Will Smith, the guy you mentioned, or do you go Mitchkov and wait? Um, I do think at that level of the draft, you consider organizational need a little bit. But again, if you think Mitchkov is head and shoulders above another player, then the position should not really matter. Um, I don't get the sense from people that anybody other than Bedard and Fantilli are surefire NHL players next year. I think those two are seen as good to go NHL players. I'm not sure about Carlson. Maybe he's a year away. Don't know that. That would be up to Carlson, obviously. Um, but my sense is that Fantilli and Bedard are both NHL ready. The others have um, question marks in terms of are they ready immediately. Um, so if you're picking one or two, I think the draft is already done for you. I think it gets really interesting, a little interesting at three, although it's probably Carlson and then really interesting at four. Um, so I think that's kind of how it breaks down for the blue Jackets. They'd love to be able to add a number one center this year. And, you know, the more you look at it, the more you realize that that's really the best way to add top centers. It's really how you get them 
doesn't really matter what team it is. Those guys just don't move around very often. Um, so that would be the hope there. I think their philosophy is centers over wings. If all things are interest or all things are equal and right shot D over left shot D. If all things are equal. Uh, thanks for the question, Philip. Let's go to, to Paul B and, uh, We'll uh, we'll wrap it with Paul B. Go ahead. What's your your question? You're on live, a live room with Front of Nationwide, Paul. I hope. Uh, how's it going? Hope uh, Canada's treating you well right now. Always does. Always does. Good. Hey, I read your article a couple weeks ago, and you interviewed uh, John Davidson. And yeah, one thing that came across was a lot of frustration. Obviously, it's not been the year that they wanted. And one thing that he well, you, you guys, I think he was talking about the inner injuries and everything, and it's – I don't know if he said it stunted or just changed um, the development of these young rookies. And yeah. it sounds like they had a real plan on how they wanted to use, you know, guys like Kirill, uh, Johnson, so on and, and others, and that just got blown apart by, by the injuries. And is that just basically his frustration stemming from – these guys being thrusted into positions they may or may not be ready for and kind of been put into sink or swim situations. You know, I, I think, I think his, um, his disappointment was maybe more about say a player like Tarasov who was supposed to play a lot of games this year and, and could still, it could be a busy second half for him, but it, the first half has not gone well. Um, you know, they took their time with, with Marchenko to get him up here. They've left Juracek down there. I think, you know, the injuries, I, one thing he alluded to without saying it directly is, you know, the idea that Cole Sillinger should go to Cleveland to sort things out uh, has been kicked around. But one of the reasons that, that it was difficult to do that is because they didn't have centers in Cleveland that they thought were capable of even temporarily filling a job in Columbus. And that's because Gaunt and Justin Richards, the two, two centers down in Cleveland were injured. Mm. They, they may still be out. So, you know, the thing with injuries that I think gets missed sometimes is it really like Jake Bean is a young defenseman. Boquist is a young defenseman. Um, I think we know what Wierenski is now. So that one is tough as it is. You're not really, you're not really in evaluation mode with, with Wierenski. But you know, I, I'm not sure what Jake Bean is going to be as an NHL defenseman. But I, I know I would have liked to have seen him play a lot of games this year. You could be learning a lot this year. You could get, you know, still 60, 70 more games of NHL evaluation, and that's gone. Um, you know, Blankenberg was out for a long time. That's evaluation time. Bokrist is still super young. And he's been back now for a little while, but you know it's just these years go by, and even in the lost season, you can get some form of progress out of it by making decisions on guys based on what you see over 15, 20, 25, 40 games, rather than just spot duty in and out stuff. Right? I don't know that it's so much about Marchenko or Johnson because those guys have stayed healthy and they've been able to sort of bring them along. Johnson mm -hmm. kind of got hurried into the middle, but I think it was more about 
you know, the Tarasovs and some of the, the guys on the on the defense that that they couldn't really treat the way that they wanted to. Okay. That makes a that makes a lot of sense. I thought it was might have been stemming to the you know the rookies, like you said, with Johnson having to go into the middle. Maybe they didn't want to put him there right away or yeah. hide him on the wing for the year or something like that. Uh, how, yeah, how, I, go ahead. I kind of like seeing him in the middle. Just to, I'm not done with it yet, frankly. No, um, not at all. Yeah, I, I mean, again, this is the kind of year where you might as well. If you're ever going to try some stuff. Here's your, here, you know, the basement walls. It's sort of like you want to, you want to try painting something. Try, go to the basement first. Try it in the basement walls. This season kind of feels like a basement kind of season where, you know, it's not uh, nothing's gone well. You might as well get something out of it. No, absolutely, and you know, for everything that they, you know, everyone's been critical of the Jackets and how they've kind of been handling things and how the coaches have been handling things, you know. It, I see a lot of people saying, you know, obviously Kirill's having a lot of success right now, a lot of goals, and the kid's yeah. playing well. Um, and it's kind of like, how has he not been up here this entire time? But it's, and it's easy to say that now, but it's, you know, how do you know that if he started day one, he would have done this in the first 25 games of the year had he not gone up to Cleveland? Maybe they made the right call there, and this is how the kid's developing now because of it. Yeah, and maybe he's having the success because of the things he learned down there in Cleveland. Exactly. That he had to sort out. And you know what? That's a pretty good coaching staff up there in Cleveland, too. They're Very uh, good. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate thanks it. Everybody for, thanks for uh, chiming in. Really appreciate it. We're going to cut her short so I can get over and chat with uh, Matt Chuck, his coach, and some other people with the Moose Jaw Warriors. I certainly appreciate it. Appreciate your time, as always. And we'll talk again next week. Uh, You guys have great weeks. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us. Talk to you soon. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.